Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Hello, basketball fans, and welcome to the Dave and Dia podcast. Starting at center from Portland, the wily veteran, Dave Decker. And at guard from Los Angeles, the patron saint of rainbows and unicorns, your podcast MVP, Dia Miller. Welcome back to Dave and Dia, a Blazers Edge podcast. I'm Dia Miller. I'm here with Dave Deckert. It is summer. We are right smack dab in the middle of the off season. We are scraping at the barrels to find Blazers news at this point. But that is not necessarily a bad thing, in my opinion, because we could be talking about bad news. So at least we're not dealing with bad news. Dave, how how are you feeling? How are things? I'm doing okay. And we should say that uh, we're wrestling with te- technical difficulties all over the place tonight. And Dia's got, coming through a, a strange microphone, she sounds a little tinny, but that's okay. She is the same Dia that you know and love. It's just, you know, sometimes the voice falls different. Uh, I myself have been trying to fix this soundboard. Uh, the two problems are not related, I don't think. But I, I we record through a soundboard, okay? Now we're getting into podcast stuff because it's summer and i have a fairly nice one because i used to front a band and you know it kind of works for this too except for dumb dave left a partially full can of mountain dew on the corner of his desk now it wasn't that full it was only a little bit full at the bottom which is why i forgot it but my cat got up wanted attention rubbed against the computer rubbed against my hand and rubbed against that can of mountain dew which then proceeded to spill all over the soundboard so uh, i've got sticky knobs tonight and uh, i've been frantically scrambling trying to get everything to work so hey you know i don't know what can you do it's one of those nights this is why I don't have cats. <laughs> Nor do you well, have that, a soundboard. That and I'm deathly allergic. <laughs> oh, that they make you itch? Um, oh, that's sad. What's that? They, that's sad. That you, Cats are wonderful. I mean, they're like, they're like dogs that you have to convince. They're like, you know, they, they will love you every bit as much as a puppy will. And they will care about you. But you have to learn their language and talk to them and listen to them and ask consent and all those good things. Cats are good training. Yeah, I see. If I am having a pet, I just want it to be dumb like a dog. <laughs> I mean, they're dogs. Dogs really aren't dumb. They're actually very smart. But it, to, to me, if I'm going to have a pet, it there needs to be a level of 
I don't want to have to take care of it like I take care of my children. I already have children. This is why I don't have pets, Dave. You want your pet to do what you want it to do when you want it to do it. I get it. Yeah. That, that's I, yeah. actually kind of Dia. That's that's kind of Dia-esque. I, I like it. That's good. I, I used to have... We got into this conversation on Twitter because... Um, I don't remember how it came up, but I think Tara maybe asked Greg Brown if he had a pet and someone suggested a hedgehog. And I used to have a hedgehog. Mm-hmm. I had a hedgehog for, for quite a few years and I had ferrets um, and I, I had all kinds of interesting pets. I used to catch praying mantises mm-hmm. and keep those as pets and feed them crickets. I used to have all kinds of fun pets, but now I have children and I can't do both. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm not sure a trailblazer can have a hedgehog. Uh, because, you know, hedgehog has to get rings. Has to get what? Sorry, that's a Sonic the Hedgehog joke. So about 33% oh. of our audience just cracked up that, and went, that Ooh, was a t- and it went right over your head, but that's okay. I actually, I've played that game, but it still went over my head, that's as right. do most jokes. <laughs> um, so, the, speaking of the Trailblazers, <laughs> because, you know, that's why we're here. Yeah. Um, but it's summer. We can do a little bit of banter. Yeah. We're allowed to banter. It's just we're we're detoxing from draft and free agency mode where it's like, okay, if we talk really fast, we can right. probably cram these topics into 98 minutes. You know, now it's like, wow, three topics and, you know, all kinds of leaders. Yeah. So. So a few a few things. Uh, the the biggest thing right now probably is uh, a podcast that actually had nothing to do with the Trailblazers. It was Gilbert Arenas's podcast, No Chill with Gil Gilbert. They really missed a chance there to call it No Chill with Gil, but yeah, they I didn't mean, put me in charge of that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but they, uh, uh, they choked when they named that. Okay, never mind. <laughs> J.R. Smith was under a guest. the gun when he had to. Na- okay, never mind. That's sorry. These are J- Gilbert Arenas jokes. Sorry, my bad. Keep going. J.R. Smith was a guest on the podcast, and he said at one point, "I love talking about Dame." He said, "I love Dame. I love his game. I respect him for what he's doing." But at the same time, it's like, "Are you just gonna rot in Portland, bro? You are unbelievable." Uh, so those are fight words. (laughs) Um, and especially coming from, you know, we're used to this narrative with the media. It's been, it's nothing new. We've been dealing with it for years. I say we like, you know, they're coming after us, but Dame's been dealing with it for years. We've been talking about it for years because everybody else is talking about it. Uh, but this is an interesting one coming from a, a player to say that. Um, Wait, it came from J.R. Smith, right? Yeah. I thought you said a play. Okay, never mind. Dave, you're going to get us fired. J.R. Smith has a history of taking shots at ill-timed. So, I mean, it's, you know, this is par for the course. Anyway. Well, listen, I've never taken a shot on an NBA court in an NBA jersey. So, I am going to keep my opinions about players to myself. Um, In that case, there's not going to be much of a podcast deal. (laughs) So, what do you think about this? What, What are your thoughts here? Call me when somebody says it who matters. I mean, all due respect to J.R. Smith, but he's not exactly the guru that I would go to uh, were I looking for 
NBA opinions. And it's not that he's not somewhere on the ladder, but there are probably, you know, 428 other NBA players that I'd ask first. So, I mean, I, I don't put much credibility in this. We've been through it before. Uh, it, if Dame wants to, quote unquote, rot in Portland, that's Dame's choice. It has not been proven that Dame is going to rot in Portland. We do not know that he's going to be here past February, frankly. I mean, we're assuming he's going to be here this fall because of everything that's been done. But if it goes south, there's nothing to say that he can't move. Uh, there's nothing to say he won't demand a trade. So I don't know what J.R. Smith is hand-wringing about. Dame is probably the one guy who is guaranteed to come out of all this with some kind of A, reputation, and B, control intact. That is not true of the Trailblazers in any way, shape, or form in this situation. So I, I think this is kind of silly. I don't know. What do you think? Look, if this is what rotting looks like, then I don't want to be healthy because this is, I mean, Dame is, is thriving essentially where he's at and, and yeah, you know, they haven't won a championship, but I, I feel like, I, I feel like we have the same conversation over and over and over. And we kind of do because this topic comes off up so often, especially currently. Um, but there's no guarantee that he's going to win a championship somewhere else. So why not stay in a place where he's loved and respected, where people want him, where he's comfortable, where his family is, where he's created a, a life? Why not stay there? And, and, and the truth is, you know, I, I still hold out hope that they're going to make a solid run before his time with the, with the Blazers is over. So I, I think that this whole take is kind of a ridiculous thing that we continue to see. And it's just, it's just old and tiring. Like I'm, I'm so tired of this. I, it's not anything new. People continue to say it. We continue to hear it over and over and over again. And it's like, I just, I, I wish that people could just respect it. So, so what do we respect? Like, what do we respect when a player does? Do we respect when they jump from team to team trying to win a ring? Because people give players a hard time for doing that too. Do we respect when they, you know, like what, what, what's the goal here? If it's not, if it's not to, to chase a ring with, with the next super team, if it's not to stay loyal to one team and try to build it from the ground up, what, what do we respect? What are we, what are we expecting of these players if neither one of those options is acceptable? He's not disrespecting Dame though. He's disrespecting the Blazers. I mean, He's no, that's a direct that's a direct hit at Dame. No, it's it's at the Blazers. He's saying, Dame, you're too good for this. What are you doing, man? But he's but he's saying, What are you doing? Why are you choosing to stay and rot in Portland? Like Dame Dame obviously has control over his own destiny and his own location. Like he could go somewhere else if he wanted to. He's choosing to be there. So when people pick on this and they say, why is he staying? What is he doing? Are you just going to rot in Portland, bro? That's a direct hit at Dame. Now, uh, if you've got a, if you've got a PhD and that PhD is teaching third graders math, you could legitimately say, dude, what are you doing teaching third graders math? That's not a hit on the PhD. That's an acknowledgement of the PhD's qualifications. Yeah, but it's a hit on you choosing to stay there. Well, I mean... You're kind of making ish, my point. Ish, but there are two ways to look at it. And you got to look at it both ways. 
I mean, yes, the choice is being critiqued, but the basis on which the choice is being critiqued is in essence saying, you are too good for this. You are too big for this. What are you doing performing, okay, Miley Cyrus, what are you doing performing in this flea-bitten, you know, 20-seat theater in Akron, Ohio? You should be on a big stage. That's not necessarily a hit on Miley Cyrus. That's a hit yeah. on where she's performing. I guess we agree to disagree there because to me, you're still you're still saying to that person, these are your choices. Miley Cyrus can perform somewhere else. The PhD teacher can do something else. It's their choices that you're criticizing. It's their decisions of, of how they're using their talents and how they're using... They, it's a direct hit. You can't criticize Dame's Dame being in Portland without criticizing Dame because Dame is in Portland by choice. He's had options of going other places and he's chosen not to. If Maybe. he was, if yeah, he was, I mean, yes, if, but look, if he's he, KD right now who's stuck, who can't, they can't figure out a trade that everybody's okay with, then okay, you know, he's stuck there. He doesn't want to be there, but he's there anyway. Dame is not that guy. Dame has chosen over and over and over to stay in Portland. So when people come at Dame, or when people come at the fact that Dame is still in Portland and Dame is, you know, going to rot in Portland, that's a direct hit at him. And I don't think you can get around that. No, yeah, you can. It's it's a mild hit at him. It's a bigger hit at Portland. And what Dame has really done is chosen not to force the issue. You know, it's because it's going to be a big deal if he asks for a trade. It's going to be national news. It's going to be incredibly disruptive to the franchise. It's going to change his image and his brand. I'm not saying he hasn't chosen Portland. He has. I agree with you. But there's a difference between where Dame is right now and saying... Well, you know, he's chosen Portland because he loves Portland and he's always going to love Portland. He will eternally love Portland, et cetera, et cetera. He may do that. I'm not saying he doesn't. But the bar for him doing something else has been high enough to this point that he's chosen not to do something else. Which, in by the way, answers J.R. Smith's question. Uh, that Dame at least feels like there's not been enough provocation. He, his teams have still made the playoffs except for last season when he was injured he's like the players he's played with he's got lots of national attention he's got lots of endorsements uh and you know by the way he also got 120 million dollar extensions the blazers have maxed him out there's no reason other than i just don't see myself succeeding here to leave okay so basically what we're saying is he has not gotten to the point where he is ready to say that and J.R. Smith will get his answer when one of two things happens. Either the Blazers succeed and Dame wins here, in which case he can go, this is why I stayed. Or the Blazers cannot make any progress and Dame does decide, if he decides that, to go somewhere else. In which case he will say, bro, I, I knew what I was doing. Why are you calling me out? In neither case does Dame lose. In neither case is Dame vulnerable to this. And really, in in the latter case, it's the Trailblazers who failed, and everybody knows it. So I don't, you know, I I don't think Dame's much at risk by this. I don't think it matters what J.R. said about Dame. I think if anybody's going to be insulted, it probably should be the Trailblazers because they're the less attractive of this couple. It's exactly like saying, someone coming up and saying to your girl or guy, what are you doing with that person? You're way hotter than them. 
that's not an insult to your partner. That's an insult to you, right? And that's, I mean, it is to their choices and stuff, but that's, that's really, that person is intending to insult you. They're trying to compliment them. They're just doing it in a really insulting and backhanded way. This is Advertiser Content, brought to you by Frito-Lay. Hello, I'm Chip Murphy, here to get you ready for the big tournament. Tonight we'll break down... We break down who will be cutting... Cut! What are you two doing? Sorry, Chip. Prez here got his feathers ruffled when I told him Ruffles has zero chance of winning the title. And I was letting Dip know that she is not taking into account Ruffles' iconic ridges. Guys, it's March. We have to start talking about the tournament. We are. It is the 2023 Frito-Lay snack It. We're talking about big-time matchups between Cheetos, Smart Food, Lay's, Sun Chips, and more. Just head to the Frito-Lay snack bracket and vote for your favorite chip, pretzel, or dip for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. This sounds great. Keep up the good work. Just go to frito No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends 4-3-2023. Void wherever hit Here's worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. I mean, I'm not saying that it has any bearing or it matters. I'm simply saying at this point in the process, you can't say, are you just going to rot in Portland and not call that a hit at Dane. That I mean, they're they're taking a jab at him. Whether it, when you have to say, "I love Dame. I love his game. I respect him for what he's doing," but that you know full well you're about to take a jab at him. You're not saying, and that's fine. I guess this isn't really a differentiation that we need to make. But uh, you know, I mean, ultimately, I just, I'm just. I'm just tired of this narrative. I'm just, it, it's ridiculous to me because it doesn't seem like, and I agree with you that there's, that there's technically no losing for Dame, but I also feel like there's no winning in answering, like in, in, in this equation, there's no winning because what, what do we expect? Like what, what are we going to be happy with? We're the fact is that when you have a superstar player, any superstar player, there's going to be people pissed off about their decisions one way or another, whether they stay, whether they go, whatever they do, there's going to be people who question them and, and, and their decisions and what they're doing. It's just going to happen because people aren't happy when, when guys switch teams and, and go try to, you know, join a team that they think they have a better chance with. People aren't happy when they're, you know, when guys are, are talented and stay in a small market or, a, a, you know, stay loyal with a team. People aren't happy with that either. And, and you know, down the road, maybe they will be. You look at a guy like Kobe. Kobe stayed with the Lakers his entire career. Granted, he didn't want to at one point. He tried to get out and they basically just said no and didn't let him out. So, it, you know, it, it, there's, there's, there's. People are going to have their opinions no matter what you do. And probably you're not going to you're not going to make everybody happy no matter what. That's kind of the whole basis of sports. We all root for different people. We all root for different teams. If we didn't, this would be a totally different event. So but at the end of the day, this has just been an ongoing narrative that is getting real old. It's just getting really old. Yeah, I mean. In my mind, the discussion has been had. Everything was talked about. I mean, 
the loss to Denver last year, you know, last summer, uh, some of this that happened this year and Dame had another out point and didn't take it. Um, granted, he got his extension, so that helped uh, solidify things both ways. But, you know, at this point, this narrative has subsided. And when it should be taken up again is the next time that Dame himself indicates that something might be awry. Until he does so, there's no point in repeating it because he hasn't taken exit ramps. And there's not another exit ramp for another 10 miles. So, you know, or 100 miles or whatever it is. So until that exit ramp approaches and he turns on his turn signal, there's no reason to talk about the next one. Talk about the scenery, talk about the driving, talk about whatever. But, you know, the time to talk about it has passed. Uh, Right now, it's let the guy play ball. Yeah. But every time it comes up, it makes headlines. Every time. So, you know, people are going to probably keep talking about it because it makes headlines. Yeah, well, I mean, headlines aren't everything. It's, It's Talking basketball is the way to longevity. I mean, and granted, NBA players like J.R. Smith have a big leg up on rando media people. I mean, someone's always going to listen to him because he played in the league. But that doesn't mean that he actually has the best opinions or whatever, because a lot of people do a lot of things that they're expert in, and it doesn't make them expert in everything. So, yeah, I mean, if, if he wants to survive, if he wants to continue in media long term, which not a lot of people care about, I think talking about the actual substance matters as much as talking about what makes headlines. But anyway. I mean, this is interesting because this actually came up recently, too, but there's it's kind of a different it's a different era we're, we're in. And, and I think because of social media, you know, these stories are perpetuated and these narratives are perpetuated more than they used to be because you you know, you used to sit and and read the newspaper once a week or whatever it was and and really look for the meat. You wanted the the stories you wanted. They needed to be full of good stuff because you were only getting them once a week. You were only getting so much. Your consumption was so limited that you needed good, solid meat to things. Now, consumption, there's just, it's constantly at your fingertips. It's constantly changing. You know, media and, and, um, Media outlets have to be on top of stuff. They have to be putting multiple things out a day to keep up with the demand. And so when you're constantly having to come up with things, I feel like that's part of why the narratives tend to to steer negative sometimes because it's easier. It creates conversation. It gets clicks, those kinds of things. Like our media has just shifted, in my opinion. And I think a lot of it, you know, we've talked about that before. I think social media has has played a part in that. And and I think that, you know, when I see things like this repeating over and over and over, this is the kind of thing that gets attention. It, it, it makes the rounds. People talk about it. It, it. it starts something again. So I mean, granted, I want to affirm that, and I think that's true, but it's also really easy to say that. I mean, people say that about us every time we say something that goes against the grain. Oh, you're just looking for clicks. No, sometimes the grain isn't right. Right. And there are people uh, who put out stories that are meaty and that do deal with topics in a different way and even in a way that people don't like. And that is not just looking for clicks. But I kind of doubt that Gilbert Arenas and J.R. Smith are those people. Yeah. Uh, So speaking of ongoing stories, Kevin Durant 
Kevin Durant still, you know, this has been an ongoing thing. A lot of times, especially with a guy like Kevin Durant, who who is in fairly high demand, he's a good player. He's a great player. Uh, a lot of teams would be glad to have him. And so when somebody like that comes up uh, and is available and they're looking for a, an opportunity to put him somewhere, they, it doesn't always take a, a super long time because people start making offers. Things are happening. The problem is, uh, the Nets won a lot for him, and and rightfully so. So Kevin Durant's still sitting on the table. Uh, not, not a lot of movement right now. I believe the Celtics were the, the most recent rumor that I've heard, um, although I did notice that the betting odds has Portland still fairly high on the list, uh, which I think is a pipe dream at this point. But uh, it's definitely an interesting one to, to keep an eye on. Where are you at with, with Kevin Durant? Well, with the odds, you got to understand that there's got to be other bets besides the favorites. I mean, that's how you draw money, right? You know, you have longer odds. So the Blazers are probably going to be in there somewhere because they were in there in the beginning. But I don't think Portland has a realistic shot. Although, as I mentioned today, they might have a more realistic shot today being Tuesday, published a a post on site. They might have a more realistic shot with the package they could offer now than one they could have offered had they kept all their players from last year. I mean, Anthony Simons is a a young player. Uh, You know, Jeremy Grant's not that old. And the Blazers have some young, you know, young pieces. Maybe they could throw in some draft picks. I don't think New Jersey, or sorry, not New Jersey, showing my age. Brooklyn uh, takes anything Portland has to offer, frankly. Uh, The Boston offer might be tantalizing, but I don't think Brooklyn ultimately wants to lose Durant. So their asking price is going to be pretty high. And this is the kind of circus that accompanies this kind of thing. And again, it links to the last topic. Damian Lillard watched this LaMarcus Aldridge thing happen in 2015. Damian Lillard has watched the swirling around LeBron James and everywhere he's gone. Uh, Damian Lillard has is also uh, presumably now watching Kevin Durant. And by the way, for how good he is, I think Kevin Durant has become maybe, other than James Harden and Ben Simmons, kind of as a side note, Kevin Durant is probably the most vilified star in the NBA especially because he left Oklahoma City for Golden State and then left Golden State for Brooklyn. And now he's going to leave Brooklyn for somewhere else, maybe. And people were fed up like two switches ago. So, look, this is... This is another There's narrative. No winning. Yeah, it's another narrative that's going to keep going. Uh, but until he gets traded at this point, it's kind of almost boring me, which is terrible. As a podcaster, I should be saying, here are the 72 possibilities. And, you know, honestly, I think Boston has a pretty good offer. I don't think anybody else has made one yet. And I don't know. Until Kevin Durant ends up somewhere, I don't I'm not sure there's that much intelligent to say about it. Yeah, it's funny. Back uh, when I I spent years in the wedding industry, I was a wedding photographer. And uh, there was a point where I was a pretty successful wedding photographer and in somewhat of demand. I, I, you know, I had a lot of opportunities and I was turning things away. And uh, I remember at one point, I started getting inquiries, people asking me about shooting certain kinds of things that I didn't really want to shoot. I, I had kind of a niche and I that's what I wanted to do. And I didn't really know how to go about that, how to handle that. And a friend of mine who had been in the industry longer than I had and, and was kind of advising me said, uh, just price it too high for them to pay. So if they want you to shoot something that you don't want to shoot, just quote them a price that you know they won't pay. And if they do choose to pay it, then it's worth your time to shoot it. 
And so, you know, you're talking about like a family session. If I don't want to shoot a family session, you're charging, you know, you say you charge $800 and obviously I'm not, that's ridiculous. Um, they're not going to pay that. You're going to, you're going to outquote yourself. You're not going to have to, you're not going to have to follow through with it. And if they do, if they say, okay, we'll pay you $800, then it's worth your time to shoot it. Even if it's not the kind of thing you want to be shooting. That's what I think about when I think about Kevin Durant right now. I feel like it's the kind of thing where the Nets don't really want to lose him. They don't really want to get rid of him. And so they're saying, well, we're only going to take 5,000 draft picks and the biggest superstar you can think of uh, in order to get him. And so in reality, no team is going to be able to afford that. But if somehow they do, then it's worth making the trade. And I feel like that's kind of where we're at with KD. I don't think that there's probably going to be a trade that's going to happen at this point. Um, but if it does, it I anticipate that it's going to be a blockbuster of a trade. Yeah, I mean, agreed, I think. I mean, why would Brooklyn, why would Brooklyn give him up for less? I mean, and, yeah. and it's not like, look, they're, here's the thing is they consider themselves a major team too. Uh, you know, they're it's a little different than Portland. I mean, if Dame demands a trade, Portland kind of has to listen. I mean, Portland doesn't have a lot of cards to play other than you are forced to play here. And you know what? If they do that and get a reputation where they're going to fight with superstars, that kind of, you know, they're going to need a whole new generation to get over that. And they're not that attractive of a destination to begin with. Brooklyn has more cards, frankly. I mean, they have more money. They have more of an audience. They're in a major city. You know, they're seen as a marquee-esque team. They're probably not the brightest marquee up there, but they're they're reasonably prominent. And so they can, they can pay out a little more or, you know, pay out a little more slack on this and let it ride farther, even if Durant uh, wants to move. And I think KD knows that too. And I think at some point they won't let this go forever. I'm not sure that he'll be willing to actually sit out a season. So I bet if a trade doesn't get done, there's going to be some muttering and mumbling around late September. And then all of a sudden KD is going to say, it was kind of overblown. All I wanted was X, Y, and Z. And I didn't get X, Y, and Z, but I got X and Y. And that's good enough. And let's go Nets. Let's go out and have a good season. Yeah. Yeah, I, and I've heard some rumors that, you know, of all kinds of different things, like this was his way of getting Kyrie to be moved. Um, this was, you know, I've, I've heard some different things about that. There's a lot that goes into this stuff that I, you know, the inner workings of trade demands and whatnot that, you know, it, it can go a lot of different ways. And some things we'll just never know. But I, I'm anxious to see what happens with this and, and if he stays or if he goes. But my money at this point would be on uh, Kevin Durant suiting up in a Brooklyn Nets uniform when the season starts. Yeah, I mean, we'll see. Here's the, here's the problem, too. It's not two years ago. I mean, if it were two years ago, I think people would be breaking the bank to get him. But look, he's older now. He's still great. He's still great. There's no doubt about that. You, you know, again, I think if you have a reasonable chance to trade for a guy like this, you do it. I said that last week. But when you're looking at mortgaging your future and giving away half of your present to get this guy, he may not be that guy anymore. And if you do that, you have to get a title out of it. 
you can't just get a pretty good team because you could have a pretty good team with more future growth potential cheaper. So unless you really believe that this KD is the one who gets you rings or gets you close enough to where you can compete for them, you can't do that. And I think that is limiting the potential a little bit. So yeah, I agree with you. I think probably the most likely scenario at this point is that he is back in Brooklyn. Next big thing is Nicholas Batum, who was on the Trailblazers. Uh, There was a tweet that went around Twitter. Somebody tweeted, if you could go back and play for any former team, which one would it be? And Nicholas Batum responded with the 2009-2010 Blazers, but without injuries. Uh, So that was kind of interesting. Did you see that, Dave? Yeah, uh, it's interesting. I think that he picked 09-10. I mean, he could have picked, you know, 2014, where Wesley Matthews, you know, blew his Achilles and, uh, you know, LaMarcus was in his prime and Dame was there. But he went with 09-010. Now, that's not entirely surprising because that should have been the apex of, well, you know, I shouldn't say apex because they had a lot of years left, but of the of the Roy Oden Aldridge trio of the years they got to play together, that should have been the high one, you know, of 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 the five years or so that they were together for. Uh, but what happened is Oden got injured. Of course, uh, he played twenty one games. Uh, Brandon Roy started struggling with injury problems that season as well. That's the year they traded for Marcus Camby. They also had Andre Miller. I mean, they had Rudy Fernandez. They had Joel Prisbilla, Travis Outlaw, and Jared Bayless were still there. So you had some talent on that team. I mean, it was deep. And of course, Batum himself was there. So what he's really asking for is to play with Andre Miller and Steve Blake at point guard. And... Uh, Brandon Roy, healthy at shooting guard, himself at small forward, LaMarcus Aldridge, completely healthy at power forward, and Greg Oden at center. That's not a bad lineup. And by the way, Rudy Fernandez, Joel Prisbilla, Travis Outlaw, Jared Bayless are coming off the bench as your main players besides Blake. Oh, don't forget Martel Webster as well. So, yeah, I mean, that's a... Gosh, if you had that team right now, I mean... I. Seriously, I think if you could guarantee that team would be healthy, you would trade this Blazers incarnation for that team. Uh, you know, Dame aside, you'd rather have Dame there, obviously. But if you look at this, these Blazers and that lineup that goes like 10 deep, you'd, you'd agree with Batum, I think. Yeah, this was during the, the time where I kind of moved away from following the Blazers. I had some other stuff going on in my life and, and I was not as big of a fan. I wasn't following them as closely. Um, so I don't know those players to the extent that I know the ones now, but yeah, you hear that roster and it's one of those, what could have been. And I think that anytime you have a team that's riddled with injury or even just players, I think about that a lot with guys like Zach Collins, Zach Collins could have been so good. And maybe he still will be, you know, um, there, there are players like that, but especially a guy like Greg Oden, 
you know, who we drafted so high and really, really had some potential and just that injury just killed him. And, and when you have situations like that, I, I think about guys like like Nicholas Batum who who were on that roster. And can you imagine starting the season thinking, okay, this is what we're gonna this is what we're gonna have and being so stoked on that and excited about that. And then boom, now all of a sudden you're dealing with all these injuries and you never really get to see what the potential really was or what could have been from this team. As a fan, that's incredibly frustrating. But as a player on that team, I bet that's just devastating in, in a lot of ways to just watch that go right out the window. Yeah, I mean, obviously it's devastating for the player who experiences it. It's also tough for an organization. I mean, I can't imagine what it must have been like to be in the front office for the Blazers as that Roy Oden era crumbled. And, and to be the owner, I mean, Paul Allen, because it was there. I don't know if you remember, I mean, 2006, there was hope. That was a bright candle. And you're going, hey, this could be something good. When they got that number one overall pick in 2007 and selected Greg Oden, it was literally, you know, we don't have to make this happen in, anymore. We just have to not screw it up. I mean, there's going to be title runs coming and probably titles. I mean, you got the rookie of the year. You got the best forward in the draft who's going to be one of the best forwards in the NBA. And that came out to be true. I mean, and Roy was a multi-time all-star and no reason to think that would quit. And then Greg Oden. And when they played together, they won like some obnoxious number of their, I mean, they won like what, 70, 80% of their games that they actually got to suit up together healthy. I mean, it was huge. So it was there. And then all of a sudden you look and it's like, oh gosh, Odin is not stable. He's not, he's not going to play uh, long term. And then Brandon Roy too. And you go, uh, the air comes out. It's like being in a hot air balloon, you know, at, at 10,000 feet or whatever and going like, oh, we just ran out of gas. There's, this is going down. And what a sick feeling. And no matter what you did, I mean, there were a lot of moves that they tried. I mean, getting Marcus Camby in this year was a move to compensate. Yeah. But I mean, Marcus Camby is not going to replace Greg Oden. It's just not going to happen. So it also throws into relief, by the way, what a reboot it was when they drafted Lillard in 2012 and how critical that was to the franchise. People have forgotten that. But this franchise was dead. I mean, he had no identity. Uh, th- it was in mourning. There were black shrouds everywhere. And all of a sudden, Dame popped out and said, you know, here I am. Follow me. Rookie of the year. Absolutely turned around the identity and spirit of the team. And then off to the races, they went again. Nicola Batum was one of the players who got to see both. So, I mean, he's kind of a cool asterisk to that. Aldridge obviously did as well. Uh, but, you know, uh, it's... It was an interesting time and certainly not one I'd like to relive, but boy, having gone through it, it was sure dramatic. Yeah. I mean, it's, I I think there are a lot of things like that where you think what, what could have been and, and it's too bad we don't have a time machine, honestly, because it would be fun to go back and see some of that. I guess even a time machine wouldn't fix the problems. So that's kind of a moot point there, but 
Yeah. It's kind of interesting though. It's interesting to see a guy like that uh, say that that's of all the teams that he's played with, that that's where he would go back. Kind of, kind of, kind of cool to hear as a Blazers fan. Yep. I mean, he was, Batum was great. I mean, in terms of coming out of, he was the unexpected bonus. And the knock on him was that maybe he could have been a star or way more of a glue player than he ended up being. But for where he was drafted and what people knew of him, becoming a starter almost instantly, having all those tools in his toolkit and kind of, you know, helping the Blazers on defense, also hitting threes. You know, there's there was a lot to recommend Nicola Batum. And uh, that he certainly made those years interesting, if nothing else. Yep. Yeah, he's. I think he's one of those guys that a lot of uh, fans will will always kind of root for, at least to some degree. Okay, uh, last thing for today. Um, you know, the the season's coming up. We're starting to see odds and things like that. And uh, the Portland Trailblazers, the the odds for wins and losses have have been put out there. Um, and they have the Portland Trailblazers at 40.5 wins. Um, so that is a little under. It's exactly at 500, basically. So if you want to bet the over, you're betting that they will go 41 and 41. They, you're betting that they'll be 500 or higher. If you want to bet the under, which would be 40, that's one game below 500. They put the, they put the 0.5 in there so you have there's no ties, right? right. So they don't say 41, they say 40.5. So basically right. you're betting whether you think the Blazers are going to win more or fewer than, you know, 500 record. Yeah, I would take the over on this. In fact, I'm tempted to actually take the over on this because I think that this is a so I'm going to say it's a solid chance that the that the Trailblazers will finish above 500. Um, what do you think, Dave? Yeah, I think so. I mean, it's certainly it, the only thing that gives me caution is every time you think this. Not you, Dia, but like we, you know, because that's it's a popular opinion, especially in Portland. Every time we think like this, we find out that the odds makers were kind of right. But I'm scratching my head to see how they're right in this case. And I think probably that number's been nerfed a little bit to get more action on the Blazers, and which is one of the things that they do. Now, I'm no expert. I don't know if they'd ever do this, but I do know this. These, these numbers need to be accurate, but they're also designed to get you to bet, right? So they're going to give you things that look good, right? That make you say, oh, duh, you know, I, I should put money on that. Because basically, the more action that goes on it, the better it is for the odds makers. So- right. If, you know, they're not going to put the Blazers, you know, way high or way low, obviously. But I think that, you know, if, you, if you're betting Portland and you go, well, 40.5, I can make money on that. The Blazers aren't popular, right? So the Lakers, it's fine to watch the Lakers line because people are always going to bet pro Lakers. You know, they're going to say, OK, Lakers are good. So the Blazers probably go the other direction because they had such a bad year last year. Uh, so, you know, I think that all that goes into it. Anyway, I would still take the over. Yeah. 
yeah, it'll be interesting to see how the year goes, but I definitely think that we have a better, and I know I say this, you know, year after year, but last year we had injuries we weren't expecting, which can happen any year, obviously. Um, but I think we have a good roster. I think we have one of the best rosters we've had in a while. And I think that we're, you know, that there's change, uh, there's significant change, and that's not something we always see going into a season. So I, I think I think it's going to be a fun year, I, I hope, at least. I think we're going to see some things that we haven't seen before, uh, or at least in a while. And so, yeah, I, I, I'm hopeful that it'll be a good season. I don't want to be in the play-in. Uh, I hate the play-in. I still am bitter that we're even that we even are at the point where we have a play-in. Um, so I don't want to be in the plan. Um, my, my goal is that we aren't, that we're, you know, six or higher. I mean, that's achievable. That's the interesting thing about this team. Other than I think probably being in the top two or three is out of range at this point. I mean, it would take a lot. They have to show a lot before you'd believe that and talk about an NBA title with this roster is probably premature. But short of that upper, upper end, this team could really do anything, you know, which may be another reason why this over-under is right smack dab in the middle. It, it wouldn't be surprising to see them get in that 4-5, you know, playoff spot. Uh, it wouldn't be surprising to see them in the play-in, in the lower spots. It wouldn't be surprising to see them crash and burn if a couple things happen. I mean, all that has to happen is uh, maybe Yusuf Nurkic gets injured or, God forbid, Damian Lillard gets injured. uh, Or Jeremy Grant doesn't integrate as well or, you know, some combination of a couple things. And all of a sudden, uh uh-oh, you know, there's no spare tire here. Uh, So if one of them goes flat, they're going to have a hard time running. So... What's going to be interesting about this year is they're always going to feel the wolves nipping at their heels. I don't mean the timber wolves. I mean, like, you know, out there in the wilderness. But they should also have the speed and the capability of outrunning them. And maybe those wolves nipping at their heels will actually make them go faster. So this this ought to be a really fascinating year to watch. I don't know if it'll be fun, like you say, but I think it will be interesting. I just think there's a lot of players on this team that I'm excited about. And, and honestly, I am so excited to have Damian Lillard back and, and healthy better than ever. Uh, I am really excited to watch Damian Lillard do what Damian Lillard does. So Let's spend a minute. I'm looking forward to it. All righty. Well, I hope you're looking forward to it too. And we'll be back next week with even more topics uh, and more banter and more of whatever makes you happy. If you, um, want to ask questions to us you can always write those in i mean the blazer's edge mailbag is always full of questions but you could write questions to dave and dia as well if you wanted to address them on the podcast especially if you want to hear dia's thoughts on them uh that's blazersub at gmail.com b-l-a-z-e-r-s-u-b at gmail.com for dia miller i'm dave deckard we will see you again soon a hater sees an opening down the lane moves towards the hoop but then Dia comes out of nowhere to swap the shot attempt away, saying, get that weak stuff out of here. Dave scoops up the loose ball. Now it's a fast break the other way with Dia. She's flying down the court. Dave comes here an alley-oop. She jams it. Boom, shakalaka. The crowd is on its feet saluting Dia. I tell you, if she isn't the rookie of the year, they really ought to just stop giving the award. What a talent.